Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, and welcome to Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn, and I'm here with my new friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hello again. Hello again. And so for this episode of Characters on the Couch, we're going to bring in more than one show. It's a very special episode for us. It is a very special episode. It's a kind of mind meld because we're going to be talking about (laughs) for lack of a more clinical term, and we're going to go into the clinical terms in a second, but we're going to be talking about some bad behavior. So when Adam and I watched Anatomy of a Scandal, Mm -hmm. um, we immediately thought back to maybe... A year ago or half a year ago when we when we were all riveted by the undoing. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of common denominators between the two shows. We're gonna get into it. Adam, I know that you're I know you have a little bit of laryngitis. I do. I also know I, my word count is always higher than yours on these uh <laughs> which, I'm which is not to be the way a good it listener, be. I think. I don't know. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Adam is a very good listener. I just want to say to everyone sticking with me through this laryngitis episode, if you can make it through this episode with me, you're a true fan. But Jordana's gonna carry the weight. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get through these uh wonderful shows and talk about it. It's gonna be fun. No, no, you sound good, Adam actually. But let's start by talking about Anatomy of the Scandal since it dropped more recently. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who haven't seen it, again, as always, yes, we're going to spoil things for you. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen it, put us on pause, come back. Okay, welcome back. We're glad you're here. <laughs> so this is a, it's part political thriller, it's part courtroom drama, mm-hmm. and there's a significant portion that's part Michelle Dockery, or mm-hmm. Dockery, excuse me. So for those people who are, uh, you know, Downton Abbey fans. Mm-hmm. She was Mary and Downton Abbey. Okay, into the show. You're talking about this guy who is a member of parliament, a mm-hmm. conservative member of parliament, James Whitehouse, mm-hmm. played by Rupert Friend. And in the very first episode, he tells his wife, Sophie, Sienna Miller, mm-hmm. about having had an affair with his aide, his parliamentary aide, Olivia Lytton. And that he t- he's telling her, the reason he's telling her is not because of a sudden resurgence of conscience, but rather because the story is about to break in the tabloids the next day. Mm-hmm. And White House is this guy who is very popular. He's on the top of, you know, the sexiest members of parliament list. I did not Google whether that is an actual thing. <laughs> and I'm very scared of doing so. So I'm right. not going to do that. Uh-huh. And so even though the prime minister's communication director says that, you know, 
you better watch out. Maybe White House is going to get me too, and you're going to get pulled down on this. But for reasons that we only understand later, the prime minister says he's going to stick by White House mm-hmm. through thick and thin, no matter what happens. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then the affair, it turns out, that's just the tip of the iceberg because the police tell him that Lytton's accused him of rape. Mm-hmm. And so then it's this drama focus. It, it goes around sexual assault in a way that, uh, I don't know, which is kind of cheesy. I don't, I don't think we're really supposed to be like reviewing the shows themselves, but the idea is that, so here he denies that he's raped her, mm-hmm. but then we find out that back when White House was at Oxford, that he uh, assaulted somebody else, right? And in in a in a way that seemed, you know, really in my line of work, it's like pathognomonic. That's the word that means like if you have this set of circumstances, it means this thing. And so for him, it's like he used the same language, he used the same sort of behavior, aggressive approach, and it's the kind of thing that a person in a different era would, you know, he had the storyline to be able to back up that, no, this wasn't rape. This was this miscommunication. But in fact, it was very clearly sexual assault and rape, right? And and, and across the board from back at Oxford all the way to the present. Right, right. Okay, so I want to begin by saying that for me, someone who, as always, I make the caveat that I have no formal training in psychology other than dealing with people on a daily basis, that there is a distinction, right, between sociopath and psychopath. And what is that? What is that distinction and why does it matter? Yeah, let's let's get into it, because this is this is something that comes up a lot in a way that people will use the language, including psychiatrists, by the way, with each other mm-hmm. and not really caring or or really wanting to care about what is the specific meaning of it you know so if you actually in 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 the modern era if you look up the definition of uh, in the you know the DSM the diagnostic and statistical manual most of these patients most of these people will fall under a category of something called antisocial personality disorder now that's a broad category that in, that would encompass both categories of sociopaths and psychopaths. So in fact, a lot of psychiatrists, a lot of professionals, I'll say, will use these things sort of interchangeably and nobody really dings anyone else, especially when it's used in lay, lay press or media or anything like that or, or conversation. So you have to get a little bit further into the weeds to actually get to the difference between these things. So when I have done that in the past, what I came to is a broad understanding that the, the idea that sociopaths quote unquote run cold and psychopath uh, hold on hold on a second I, I need to confirm this I want to make sure as I was saying it Adam thank you as I was saying it I was like I need to hundred percent make sure that I get this right because I'm supposed to be the expert here That's so true. so one of them runs cold and one of them runs hot. And it seems that sociopath, I had it backwards. Oh, thank goodness. My whole credibility on this show was about to be out the window had I not just confirmed it. Sociopaths run hot 
and psychopaths run cold. Yeah, that would have been the opposite of what I would have said as well with my lack of training. I would have said, <laughs> okay, so sociopaths run hot, meaning that meaning. they're temperamentally... Right, they're more likely to make impulsive decision-making mm. that is to their advantage without concern for... Uh, empathy without concern for morals, just whatever they need to do. But it's an impulsive, emotional thing. Mm -hmm. While it's thought in some circles, psychopathy or psychopaths are running cold, they're calculating, they're unable to form emotional attachments in the same way that most of us can, right? Okay, that's so in that's so interesting to me because I want to do, talking about it through Anatomy of a Scandal first. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He seems pretty capable of relationships with his fellow libertines, right? His his which is basically a it seems to be a fraternity where they wear white tie. Mm -hmm. That's that's really what it is. Mm -hmm. A society, excuse right. me, a formal society at Oxford. He he has like undying loyalty toward those guys. Yeah. It's it's just women. Yeah. That he has a problem with, right? Whether it's his wife or his parliamentary aide or um, somebody who I, I don't want to spoil it that much. I don't want to go like to that extent of spoiling like the very end of Anatomy of a Scandal. I don't uh -huh. know. Like, uh, I don't know why. But um, but so so how do you explain that? How, I mean, is that just misogyny or what? what is that? Right. No, I think the way that I that I conceptualize these pathologies is that they do exist on a spectrum like most things, right? Mm -hmm. And so for him, there's a clear element of calculating. There's a clear element of being able to control himself in certain situations. And his his really bad behavior comes out when he thinks there won't be consequences, right? And so, you know, there was, there was a big news story over the last several years that sort of pops up every year or two, it feels like, that uh, someone did a study and, and so many of the CEOs in the S&P 500 are probably psychopaths, you know. Uh, psych psychopathy is something that can actually be very adaptive in business and various forms of life. They're not so good for uh, relationships and they're not so good for staying within the law, right? right. Uh, th those, those, On the uh, one hand, you do get the corporate jet, yeah, right? Sometimes. You, you get sometimes, sure, yeah. you know, or like your, your four houses or whatever. And on the other hand, you're dealing with someone who is kind of a toxic minefield of right. crap. Right, right. So, I mean, let's talk. Let's get into that a little bit, if you do, if you don't mind. I, I of, do not of him and his family. You know, is is it? It's almost like Sophie Whitehouse. You know, the audience is sort of, I think, watching this show, and and Sophie Whitehouse, his wife, played wonderfully by Sienna, Sienna Miller, and the Michelle Dockery character, who's the lawyer prosecuting him, but also has a history with him. On you know, as, as thank um, you for that, Adam. Yeah, I, mean, well, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how I don't much. Know. Yeah, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna spoil certain elements, but but not the most salacious. So that if you right. haven't watched it straight through, you know, we're gonna let you. We're gonna give those things, leave those things to you. But yes, because we're neither sociopaths nor psychopaths. <laughs> Adam and I. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, not yeah. diagnosed anyway. Let's get into that though. So, like, how to how to how does he relate to his family? Do you think, and from from your perspective? Mm. Okay. Well, I would have to differentiate between the children mm -hmm. and his wife. Mm -hmm. Also, his parents seem to just have given him 
a pass to yep. do whatever the hell he wants. Like anytime they they're like, oh, you know, right? Because there's that. I have to. You're absolutely right. But I have to jump in because this is the perfect way for us to merge these shows uh, yes. with, with the nice. undoing. Um, nice. You know, we, we say we want to we want to talk about the undoing along with anatomy of a scandal. And in both cases, it turns out like sort of the parents and the upbringing and, you know, like what <laughs> how how they respond to bad behavior is a big part of things. Right. Right. Because each in each set of circumstances. Oh, OK, I'll back up a little bit. The undoing right, was a short series with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, and it involved um, a murder, a really brutal murder mm. by sculpting hammer. One of my favorite details of the show, but we mm. can get into that later. Mm-hmm. So that Nicole Kidman is Grace Fraser, a psychologist who is mm. married to who she thinks is a pediatric oncologist, Jonathan Fraser, but he in fact has been kicked out of his job at his hospital because he had this inappropriate relationship with the mother of one of his patients. The mother of one of his patients, that's the person who ends up with her head battered in by a sculpting hammer. Mm -hmm. So she finds out, number one, that he's having this affair. Number two, that he lied to her about the job, that he lied to her about Cleveland, um, all these things. And then later on the show, the reason, the touch point that Adam just alluded to Mm -hmm. is that they're estranged from his parents. Mm -hmm. She thinks it's because they had a falling out because he inadvertently let the family dog out of the house. Right. It turns out that it was not the family dog, but rather his baby sister, his four-year-old sister. He was supposed to be taking care of her. He was a 14-year-old, so 10-year age difference. And for those of you who aren't as great in math as I am. And then the four-year-old like runs out into traffic literally and gets hit by a car and dies. And that he showed neither grief nor remorse that he was not traumatized by it at all. This is described by the mother. So she, so Nicole Kidman finally has a Skype conversation with the mother who she hasn't spoken to since the wedding. She hasn't Mm -hmm. seen since the wedding, which is, I guess, easy because she's back in England. And she's like, yeah, like Jonathan appeared untouched by, we kept waiting for the grief to come and it never did. It never came, the guilt or crying, the, you know, just the, the things that you would expect of a normal a person having just not only the responsibility of having caused that or let that happen, but the the very basic understanding of the trauma, you know, that that that, that the family is going through was missing, basically. And, right, and and that and so you're alluding to the difference in how the families acknowledge it and or deal with it, right? So in one case, in the case of James Whitehouse in Anatomy of Scandal, the parents are just like, oh, boys will be boys. You know how it is. You know, James, he's so special. Like, he's like their their special little whatever who can do Mm -hmm. whatever he wants, Mm -hmm. wherever he wants. It's a very Mm hyper-privileged in all aspects, whereas it seems we don't really get a sense of the timeline of it, but it does seem that Jonathan severed connections with his parents, Mm -hmm. that his parents tried to give him the support and tried to nurture Mm -hmm. him. But now I can say with all the confidence of your earlier comment that 
he's a psychopath. Yeah. Right. Even though in the show he's described as a sociopath, which we yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, we can use these things interchangeably, I think, in, in the sense that, you know, he's able to put together this life that may feel you know, sort of familiar to people living in New York City. He's working at a, a as a pediatric, or he was working as a pediatric oncologist. It's a profession that it's almost like the, you know, it's almost like the facade of nobility, you know, like what a, what a noble thing to do with your life to try to help sick little kids. And he's a support for the mother. Oh, and by the way, he has now fathered a, you know, a child with the, with that, with the mother, it's, it's like the dead um, woman, right. under right. the surface, there's just this mess of immorality, you know, of not worrying about consequences. Yeah. But yeah so. And I would all, I would also add that he, what's interesting to me, what so many things, but what's interesting to me about both all of the acts of criminality in both of these shows, whether they're rape or murder. Murder. Yeah. They all seem pretty like spur of the moment, spontaneous. I personally am a bit of a planner. (laughs) I have not never committed murder and have no intention of doing so. But I'm saying that I'm not like a, I'm not a spontaneous kind of gal. And it seems like it it really seems the common denominator, the common denominator of like, anatomy of a scandal. One second you're going into an elevator and the next second you're raping somebody. The undoing, you make love to someone. She says she's going to get close to your family. You say, don't come near my family. You say, I'm breaking up with you. She says, no, please don't leave me. Then mm-hmm. you club her head in with a hammer. Like, uh, I don't know. I generally, have yeah. an, I generally have an idea of like where my day is going to go. Yeah. Like, I know I'll be at softball practice later unless it rains, you know, like all these things. But like, so what is that something? And also at the end of The Undoing, right? When he, when Dr. Fraser, uh, Jonathan Fraser takes his son, Henry, out to breakfast, which seems out to breakfast is a euphemism for, I don't know if I'm kidnapping you, yeah. if I'm going to kill you and myself. Right. If I'm just going to kill myself and make you watch. Like right. That was a it, very tense scene. Yeah. yeah, there's all this like, un- but, but so... What's up with that? What's up with the spot? Like, in other words, yeah. is that really Jonathan Fraser says, like, he's like, that wasn't me in that moment. Right. So I'd right. love well, for that- you to talk more about that. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Right. I mean, it almost builds on what we talked about last week and severance and, and being able to compartmentalize parts mm-hmm. of yourself, right? Yeah. So both of these guys, James Whitehouse and Jonathan Frazier, they both have these awful aspects of their personalities that make And they're them- both British. Coincidence? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And um and and they're both Jordana, you may make me laugh sometimes. Only <laughs> <Well, laughs> sometimes I'm not doing my job. But yeah, but you know, I mean uh, I mean, okay, we can address later the question of whether sure. all British men yeah. are psychopaths and such uh, But all right, let's go on. Okay. So, you know, they have these elements of themselves that are so we haven't even we've gotten this far into the podcast, we haven't even mentioned the narcissistic element to their personality structure, which mm. is that they both feel like they've gotten away with everything in their life, basically. And they feel like, you know, whether or not it's a spontaneous, you know, act of murder or or violence, sexual violence, you know, it's almost moot to them in their minds because there have never been consequences, really. They can do whatever they want, wherever they want. Right. And, you know, that almost brings us, I mean, I'd love to to hear your thoughts on both of the female, they're not protagonists, but but they're not, they're in some ways, they're heroes of the story in, in that they have found themselves in these very incredibly toxic relationships. And in some way they're, they're, they're forced with a choice. They can be a, an accomplice to helping this uh, very damaged man continue to go forward and live this sham of a life, or they can do something to knock down the facade, right? And yes. and we'll just uh, say in both cases, the women empower themselves to reclaim their lives. And, yes, and it's, I, a very, it's a very, like, you know, that is in a in a 2020s way that is as happily ever after as we get right as so wronged women reclaiming agency reclaiming a sense of self and getting out from under the thumb of a situation that kept them in because of that's another factor that i'd like to discuss now Mm -hmm their delusions about Mm. another person. Okay, so both Nicole Kidman's character, Grace Fraser, Mm. and Sophie Whitehouse, Sienna Mm. Miller's character, they both would would have, before all these events unfurl, described themselves as in love Mm -hmm. with their spouses. However, the person with whom they were in love actually bears very little resemblance to the person that these people actually are. So what makes you, and when I say you, I mean one, what makes one susceptible to falling in love with a projected idealization of someone Mm -hmm. rather than the person as they actually are? Yeah. Well, let me, you know, I grew up on Long Island and I have to think about Billy Joel in a situation like this. This is this is the rare moment when when Harvard psychiatry and Billy Joel intersect uh, because he's, he's the got that song, diagram. The Stranger, and it's all about, you know, we all put on a mask for the people in our lives. And 
there's something to that, that, you know, the version of these men that the women were seeing was a mask, right? It's, it's a role. It's, it's uh, something that's 80% of them or 75% of them. And, and James Whitehouse gets at this when he says, look, I said the core truth when I was up on the stand. And at some point, Sophie Whitehouse sort of takes that phrase back and uses it for herself. She's just going to go forward with the core truth. You know, the core truth, well, how much of a, how much of you does the core make up? You know, we all have, I mean, this is true, you know, in a much, hopefully a much more benign sense for me and the, and you and the royal you and everyone listening, you know, we have these roles, right? We have these, I'm, I'm a different person for my kids than I am for my wife, than for my patients, than my colleagues, than my friends. Yeah. I'm, I'm really not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a credit to you. you this know? is it. No, I don't think so. I actually think that it would be a lot better if I, could, <laughs> if I knew how to associate with different people and it, and it means that my six-year-old is privy to a lot more F-bombs than she should be. <laughs> and it means that I really don't like know how to dress to like go out in public. So in other words, I see the benefit of that disassociation, for lack of a better word, that severance of self between different compartments of your life. But, but I think that whether it's because of our romanticized view Mm -hmm. of what marriage or partnership should be, we do believe that you're supposed to love the person for their whole self, not just for how they show up in a restaurant, not for their elaborate marriage proposal, but also that you overlook the fact that like they fart in bed and like, you know, all these other random things about them that you may find not as appealing because it's part of this whole, which you've devoted yourself to them and they to you. Right. I think, yeah, I think that, that like a solid, actually a, a marriage that's built on a good foundation it's the it's the flaws that help you you accepting your accepting of each other's flaws is like the you know are the pillars that keep you know the because anyone can be nice to someone that they see sometimes and always get along with but to to really truly love and respect and treat someone well over years even uh you know, not necessarily in spite of their flaws, but because that's part of who they are, you know, because you're choosing the whole person, right? We agree on this. This is the foundation of a, of a solid relationship. And that's what was such a betrayal in both cases, really, is that the women that are married to these awful men are, they've only been given access to maybe 80 or 90% of those men. You know, there's a, an angle. They only see... The, right. the person from one angle, but they're not, they don't, they were never let in to see the the rest of that person. And it happens to be the most brutal, terrible parts of them that they. Withheld. And the other factors play in too, right? So in the undoing, they talk a lot about confirmation bias, about how we see what we want to see. And we see things that ground our own perception of reality, because if we see things that contradict our perception of reality, that's really scary and intimidating. And I understand that. But I'm going to say that I believe that the women as depicted in these relationships are actually extremely loving and giving women. And I think that that's part of what made them a mark 
for their respective psychopaths slash sociopaths. Yeah. Because they see, they see someone who will give to them unconditionally. They have no intention of giving back in that same way, but they see that you know, it, they prey upon yeah. the innocence yeah. and the love that they're given. Right. Yeah. You're hitting on a very a well sort of established concept also that that people who do awful things that society, you know, not only looks down upon, but like shudders at, you know, they're often people with access because of their roles, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I hate to even get into specifics, but, you know, like people, people find people who are so sociopathic and, and psychopathic, they find ways to, like you said, sort of target or hit the mark on someone that is susceptible that they have access to. It's really a tragic way of looking at it, but these shows are getting at it in the most, you know, sort of dramatic and interesting way, which I want to, that leads me to getting to something I know that was on your mind of thinking about why do we, the viewer, why do we, why are we drawn to shows like this? Right. (laughs) On the one hand, I'm sure there's the element of, well, as messed up as my life is, at least (laughs) I'm not chasing my husband and son in a helicopter over the Henry Hudson Parkway. So I have that going for me. Right. So there's that, even though we do all covet. I know like, it's so funny because for someone who's only shown up to these Zoom sessions in a sweatshirt and sweatpants, I'm very desirous of the clothing that I see depicted on these shows. Mm. And Nicole Kidman's jewel tone coats, two (laughs) thumbs up from this sartorially challenged viewer. Truly amazing. Also not going to get into the cosmetic surgery elements, but that's also really fascinating that Mm. Nicole Kidman's face is, is, in fact, smoother than any of my sick baby's <laughs> bottoms when they were born. That is quite amazing to me. But anyway, why do we watch? We watch because I think that each one of us, I think that each one of us has been in proximity to this kind of, when I say violence, I, I do not mean that everyone has someone hammered in the skull with a sculpting hammer in their lives. I really hope that's not true, Mm -hmm. but everyone has been privy, sadly, to some degree of emotional violence. Mm -hmm. And I think that seeing it enacted, right, there's maybe a cathartic effect, or maybe you do see common denominators between yourself and the characters. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that I think these dramas, and certainly, and that's something that I want to talk about just fleetingly, I want to say that I did not like the way that I thought Anatomy of Scandal kind of eroticized rape. Mm. I thought they made it seem kind of sexy and like slow-mo and Mm -hmm. funky music in a way that I thought was just unpalatable and kind of gross. Mm. But, and maybe that was made to make the viewer, you know, wonder, is this rape or not? I I, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I also don't know why they don't have cameras in the elevators of a government building in England, but that's, uh, but okay, let's, let's move on from that. So I do think that we see it as a, as a version of like turning up the volume on the smaller dramas in our own lives. Right. 
And I also think that the analysis that we bring to it is something that we can sort of make us start contemplating different characters in our own lives and our approaches to things. And I will say, like, I want to throw in this, that in The Undoing, you know, we make this big thing of like how Nicole Kidman has broken this cycle, you know, by extracting literally by helicopter, by dramatic exit, Mm. extracting her son from psychopath, sociopath, dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, but in the meantime, your kid found the murder weapon, put it in the dishwasher, ran it twice. Footnote, there's no 13 year old boy in America who runs a dishwasher (laughs) or runs it twice. Who knows knows how to press uh, the settings. That was really the least plausible part of the entire (laughs) show for me. I was like, Really? Really? Uh He loaded the dick and then he ran twice? Please. Uh But I'm saying that, so he did that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he is like, you know, back in the day, I was a lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. I I no longer call myself a lawyer because I barely remember anything. And I haven't practiced in a very long time. And I believe I'm a retired member of the New York Bar. But I'm just going to say that, like, that's not kosher. Like, you, you know, you, you were at the very least, an aider and a better to concealing of a murder weapon. Like, should he be penalized for that? Yes, he should. Truthfully, he should. But his privilege, and I mean that not in the law sense of the word, but rather in the more colloquial sense of the word, his privilege extricates him from that situation. So yet again, we have another generation of well-off white men getting off out of getting out of being penalized for something that they did in fact do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean that, if I may take that as, as a, as my cue, the people in these shows, I would actually want to, I wouldn't do this myself because I'm an adult psychiatrist, but I would want the kids to be in some kind of, honestly, of everyone in these shows, I feel like the, uh, you know, by the end, the the women are sort of self actualized in, in interesting ways, and uh, but the the kids, I worry about the kids. I want them to um, take what trauma they've experienced, you know, recognize it, recognize their role in it for whatever it may be. Some of them are older than others, right, and more yes. culpable or responsible than others, and then not let that define the rest of the, you know, their, their, their whole lives are ahead of them. And so even, even the boy who tried to help his father get away with murder, you know, you want him to, you want him to be punished in some way that's, that's appropriate, but then you want him to, after having, so to speak, uh, served his time or, you know, come, come being rehabilitated, you want him to, to be better than his father, right? You want him to live a life that is, full and where this is a scar that he carries with him, but not something that defines him, right? Right. And and live a a life where whatever impulses he may have inherited from, you know, uh, Jonathan Frazier, he's able to uh, identify them and overcome them. That that would be my my best uh, advice for these kids. And I guess I'll close out by asking, is there any point to having a Jonathan Fraser or James Whitehouse on your couch? Ah, that's such a great question. Thank you, Jordana. No, I, those, so, so (laughs) there's, there's minimal evidence 
in a lot of personality disorders that various techniques can be helpful. In psychiatry, evidence-based medicine is exists on a spectrum. Certain things we we are like really good at treating with medication. Certain things we're okay and or really good at treating with therapies. Things like psychopathy and sociopathy and the broader term antisocial personality disorder. These people need to be in the system. They need to be treated and sort of have a, a system that will catch them when they fall. But changing someone through therapy is going to be very very difficult. And I don't have the skill set to do it. I'm going to be very blunt about that. There might be certain subspecialists in forensic psychiatry, the kinds of people that would have tried to work with Hannibal Lecter, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, where there's a certain skill set. But I'm telling you that, that the evidence for that is modest compared to the evidence in other things that we treat all the time. Mm. Okay, and on that on that cheery note, <laughs> yes, on that cheery note, I'll pour myself a glass of Chianti and uh, say thank you, Adam. Always, this is really great. Always a pleasure, even when we're talking about murder and terrible things. Thank you, Jordana. This was fun, and uh, yes. I'm just going to at this moment just hope that my usual disclaimer gets tacked on at the end of the episode and say farewell. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Please be advised that Characters on the Couch is a show focused only on fictional people, and none of the content should be considered medical or professional advice in any way. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, please seek out professional consultation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.